chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, our intern George Johnson, and Husky legend Greg Lewis. We are in the visiting coaches box high above the field at Husky Stadium where Washington defeated University of Southern California 28-14 in front of an announced crowd of 66,975. Length of the game, 3 hours and 14 minutes, and the weather was hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, and it would change every 3-4 minutes. The wind would kick up, but... Uh, Great win against USC. Weather was great. And uh, happy to have Greg Lewis with us. He's finally getting his wheels under him. I think you got your wheels under you last week at BYU, Greg. Yeah, doing this color analyst uh, position is something definitely new for me. Uh, but you guys know I love to talk. So anytime you get a chance to stick a mic in front of me, I'm going to rise to the occasion and make sure that uh, I know what I'm doing. And it's been fun. You know, I'm not doing uh, any more games guaranteed the rest of this year uh, because Damon will have a chance to get back in there based on his son's football schedule. Uh, but if everything goes well next year, um, I should be able to come back and do this uh, full time. What have you learned so far in three games? Well, um, I think what I've learned is is that anytime it comes to doing something around radio or broadcast, I'm sort of a natural. At least that's what people tell me. No, I, <laughs> no, um, I've had fun. You know, it's it, it was it's learning on the job. Uh, I've had to figure out Tony and his nuances, and you know, I think the key though is really listening to your play-by-play guy, allowing him to invite you in, and then adding something to the discussion, not just to talk, just to hear yourself, but actually analyze the play in a way that you can bring something um, and hopefully share something with the audience at home that they didn't know or didn't see or something that can really bring them in a little closer to what's going on on the field. There's always going to be things to criticize in a game, but when you take a win against USC, you'll take it any time. And, you know, when you have an early game like this and then you can go spend some time with the family, go have dinner, how special is a win the night, Saturday night against USC? Well, you know, for me, I would be home, but you guys drug me in here, so I don't get to go right home with the family. But no, um, it, it's it's good to get sort of back in that routine. Back in my day, you played at 1230, game was over, you got to see your friends and family for a little bit. Um, I think these guys uh, will take, whenever USC comes in here, they bring a ton of great athletes. So, you know, good win against a good team, and, you know, hopefully we'll go on the road next week and get another big one against Stanford. Obviously, Greg, when everyone thinks of USC and Washington and Greg Lewis, they think of all I saw was purple. Mm-hmm. They think of 1990. They think of – but I know this game didn't unfold like that game did. That game is truly in the in the realm of one of the great games of all time. But in terms of the 1230 start, in terms of the crowd, in terms of everything else, school being back in session – all those things. Did it have a little bit of a throwback feel, old school feel to it? Yeah, and I thought at the beginning of the game, there was a lot of good energy in the stadium. The Huskies have done a great job of getting off the good starts. Um, last week against BYU, it took their crowd out of it. This week, for us against USC, it put our crowd into it and gave them some sort of to cheer about and get behind the football team. And we, you know, 
we scored two touchdowns in a bunch and then two later in a bunch. And, you know, so the action kind of happened around that. Uh, but USC has some great guys on their defensive front. You know, their secondary are all good athletes, even though they're young. So I, I think it was a good performance overall. Just real quick. Tell me what you saw in USC, because we keep on hearing about air raid, air raid, air raid, but uh, they only threw the ball 32 times, and they ran the ball 32 times. I mean, uh, passed the ball 32 times, ran the ball 33 times. Was that a surprise? No. Actually, in the pregame show, uh, I told him, I said, you know, because their quarterback situation is what it is, they can't afford to get this guy hurt. I, and they have great running backs. I think they're going to literally come out and actually run the football. I literally said that in the pregame show. And, uh, you know, folks were, oh, you know, the, the, the coach said they're not going to change the offense. I said, I'm calling, you know, BS on that one because they certainly couldn't afford to get their quarterback hurt. Well, you say you can't afford to get their quarterback hurt, but they were running quarterback draws. And he, take a, he took a couple of big hits that he didn't need to take. Yeah, they're certainly, you know, situationally, you know, didn't take him fully out of running the ball, but you definitely couldn't have him dropping back, throwing the ball 40, 50 times. And even though they run a fashion of the of the air raid, even in their other games, they've still run the ball a minimum of 20 to 25 times a game. And to me, the best players on their team right now, uh, especially out there today where they're big running backs, their wide receivers have made some plays down the field. Uh, but let's just say Utah's DBs aren't as great as maybe people think they are. And those running backs, I thought they had three really good running backs, and Stephen Carr got loose, and uh, their big uh, freshman step, and the other guy, I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, tell me about what you thought about those running backs. Well, they kind of like us. All three of them have a skill set and something to bring to the table. Uh, and, you know, Malapay, I think, kept the chains moving. He was the, you know, the guy who was kind of the workhorse. And then, of course, the big guy, the freshman, he's a low, 235 pounds, running downhill. And Carr was elusive and made a lot of big plays, made guys miss. And he ran hard as well. So all of their running backs did something against us today. But, you know, we, we, we were able to take away their big plays in the passing game. And once we got a lead, they weren't going to be able to catch up with just the running game. Nick Harris said earlier in the week that he expected a bloodbath. And you play any team like USC, they have that L.A. attitude. It was chippy. They're playing a little bit past the whistle, and there was some nonsense going on there. How hard is it as a player to what Chris Peterson said, not take the bait? You know, I'm one of those guys that I always played in a way that wasn't super emotional. You know, I was more cerebral, you know, kind of go about my business. So I can't, I, I was never really drawn into anything like that. Number 53 for USC, their offensive lineman, he probably, out of everybody on the field, was the one trying to get, and right at the end, he did bait uh, our defensive lineman into something and got a flag thrown. Uh, but there was an emotional, you know, game out there today. USC certainly wanted to try to level the playing field a little bit and get us caught up in that kind of stuff and not focus on the game. But overall, the Huskies were able to maintain their cool. And football is one of those sports where, you know, there's going to be some of that stuff because it's mono e mono out on the field. So sometimes there's going to be stuff said and done. And, you know, it's just part of the game. Number eight, their defensive back. He'd been on Trey Adams for a couple plays, wagging his finger in his face. And that little guy baited Trey Adams, which was kind of surprising. And Trey got a personal foul. Yeah, like I said, it's going to happen. We're all human, and, you know, we can only take so much. And, you know, maybe Trey should uh, walk past the little guy, we would think. But, you know, sometimes at, in the heat of the game and play after play, something being said, something being done, you know, it might get the better of you. But uh, at the end of the day, no one got thrown out. No one did anything too crazy. Uh, just good old-fashioned football.
You were up and you saw the replays, but uh, the hit that uh, Jacob Eason took looked pretty similar to the one Joe Tryon had to sit out for. Yeah. It might even been a little worse, but having said that, I don't think either one of them warranted someone getting thrown out of the game. Intent should be a part of that rule because what they're trying to take out of the game is people using the helmet as a weapon. So when someone make some contact with the helmet while they're trying to turn away. To me, that means you weren't trying to use the helmet as a weapon and the targeting call should not be called. So I think they made the right call here today on that, but they made the wrong call last week against BYU. How much fun is it beating USC? <laughs> it's always fun beating USC. The last time I walked off uh, a football field against SC, we beat them 31 to nothing. Uh, but we had spent the two years before that losing to them by like one point on a, extra, on, a, on a two-point conversion we didn't get. So it's always good to get a win against USC. And, you know, they, regardless of what their record or what you say about where they are right now, they bring four and five-star guys, you know, the world that you guys are in on the field every day. So they always got that puncher's chance, you know, that heavyweight who can knock you out with one punch just because he can hit hard they always have that ability and that's what happened with Utah last week a top 10 team losing to USC Greg I probably should let you go but one last thing mm -hmm. obviously Friday huge recruiting news for Washington mm -hmm. you kind of keep your uh, your ears peeled your, your ears peeled in terms of the, the Seattle recruiting scene specifically give us your take on Savelle Smalls well a couple of things just Savelle as a kid um I run YMCA up in the Central District by Garfield High School, and he's been in my facility many times. The one thing I know about him, he's always been polite. He's always had a lot of manners. He's never done anything at the facility. Him and his buddies come in. You know, they've never done anything that I've considered, you know, uh, a, a bad kid or anything. So I've always had, you know, a good sort of, you know, vibe with the young man. Recruiting, you know, is crazy. And it's gotten crazier in this era with all the social media and all of that kind of stuff and you know everything kids see to these days you know the the music they listen to guys are promoting themselves and all that so I think sometimes they get caught up in that kind of stuff I still think he's a really good kid I think that anytime um, you have an opportunity to play for your hometown and you do you take that opportunity and you do the right things and you have success it just sets you up uh, for things later on in life to really take advantage of hell I've you know taken that opportunity throughout my life to really benefit from being a husky and I think Savelle will have that same sort of life and as long as we got you on a roll JT to him allow <laughs> JT is man fantastic football player again if this kid decides to be a Husky and come here to the University of Washington, he's going to have a lot of people, you know, that appreciate that. And as long as he does the right things, you know, and he ever wants to make Seattle his home or come back here because his family's here, it's going to benefit him. So, you know, we, we definitely would love to get that guy in the purple and gold. One more. Yeah. One more. One of the best in the country. Another sport. Paulo Banchero. <laughs> well, you know, I know the Banchero family real well. Uh, you know, Rhonda uh, and I are really good friends. And then uh, Mario and then even his uncle, Angelo. Uh, I coach football, Little League football with him. And so I've seen that kid grow up. And he's just a fantastic young man. Um, does everything right, uh, seemingly. Um, our basketball program right now is on the rise. They won the conference last year. Um, they have some great players on the team this year. I don't know that Paulo, um, based on the rules, you know, whether there'll be a one and done scenario or opportunity to go directly to the NBA, but he's a kid that's that good that he'll have those kinds of choices to make. Um, I know Rhonda and uh, Mario are going to allow him to make this decision. I just hope it's a decision for the University of Washington. And 
One thing I just want people to be real clear, Savelle, JT, and Paulo, as good as they are as basketball players, they're really good kids. Yeah, I've, I've again, all those kids uh, and my interactions with them have been positive. I've always seen them doing the right things. I've seen them, you know, make good choices and good decisions. Uh, the common thing I think is, is that they have great parents and their parents are really, you know, telling those kids to do the right thing kind of reminds me of my mom. You know, she kept me out of trouble. You know, I could have went the wrong way, but my mom was a, you know, she was a tough, a pretty tough five foot two, you know, lady when I was just a little kid. You know, we, we, we all have, you know, certain things, uh, you know, but uh, my mom was really, you know, taught me how to be a good kid. And I've seen that same thing with those guys. I thought it was Clifford. Me, me, me and Clifford weren't best friends in high school, but we're really good friends now. <laughs> Hey, Greg, thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks. No problem. Thanks, right. Greg. Thanks, All right. Guys. All right. Now streaming on Paramount+. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, yeah. Chris Fetters, give me your thoughts on Jacob Eason today. Uh, I just think that uh, they did a good job of trying to take him a little bit out of the game and um, just trying to, you know, really rely on the run game and and uh not allowing him to go over the top you know in, in kind of the same way i think that washington really tried to to limit what matt fink could do over the top uh i think they only targeted him a couple times over the top guys like Pittman and what have you and they did bust him for one but uh you know considering we were looking at the stats from the utah game and Pittman had something like 230 some yards receiving and i think he had 64 today I'm pretty sure they would have taken that at the beginning of the game. Yeah, story of the game, uh, Savon Ahmed, the big run. That was just a backbreaker for USC. Yeah, I mean, it's re- it was really a three-play stretch between Elijah Molden stepping right in front of the, the pass. That was a pick. And then two plays later, Savon going 89 yards for the touchdown. That was a 15-point swing because they had the two-point conversion at the end. Washington could have actually at that point only been up 20 to 14 if USC goes in but instead they make it 28 to 7 and that really was I that was the turning point of the game and I really think it's the the point where Washington clinched the game even though there were some tense mo- moments in that fourth quarter you guys didn't get a chance to hear it but I asked Savon when he was in the open if he kind of peeked up at the the big screen he goes he admitted he did. He saw the guys were getting close, so he said, you know, kind of had to shift gears and uh, finish that off. Well, I was going to say real quick, Scott, we were wondering if that was kind of the play of the game, was the molding pick that set up the run. Chris Peterson said the pick, that was the pick, that was the play of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it was really good to see Ahmed back out there. <clears throat> I was a little worried to see, uh, to kind of find out whether he would be 100%. But, um, you know, after the, the job that McGrew and uh, Newton did last week, uh, I was thinking we'd be okay either way, but yes, Ahmed came out strong, and obviously uh, great to see him with that 89-yard touchdown run. I think if it would have been almost any other back, he might have gotten caught, but he's obviously got the speed um, and the focus that will just take him to the end zone. So that was great to see. Um, longest run since uh, Napoleon Kaufman did, uh, ran for 91 yards against San Jose State. Yeah. I think it's fifth, fifth longest run by running back all time. Richard Newton with a ball security issue again today. Uh, no, that well, was Savon. That was Savon. Down on the goal line? Yeah, that was Savon. Okay, I thought it was Richie. Yeah, the thing, well, let's be honest. It was Luke Monger spotting for Tony Castricone. So I, I'm wow. not 100% sure. But, Throwing uh, the intern under no, the bus. Honestly, it did look like it was Savon. Actually, I thought, I think you and I, Chris, I don't know about you, George, but I know Chris and I both 
thought it was Richard Newton. Yeah. But it's from up here, looking at the difference yeah. between 26 and 28, it's, really it's not hard. easy. Tough. It's so, really, really hard. So anyway, but it really wasn't a security issue because it was a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, they scored, right? Yeah. Well, Bocelli, Johnny on the That's spot. Like, it's like my friend who gambles. And we say he's got a gambling problem. And he said it's not a ga- it's not a problem when you win, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, you know I, it's funny because we look at some of the stuff on social media, and boy, the expectations for this Washington program have really gone through the roof. This is a pretty good USC team, and they've got a lot of talent out there, and people unhappy with a win. I just don't get it at all. They just beat USC, and there's just a ton of people out there. But I mean, a, you know, a ton of players. USC's loaded with talent. I think the only thing they're really deficient on is I think their quarterback is not up to the standards of what we've seen at USC. Well, and losing two of them this season doesn't help uh, that at all. I, You know, what, what I don't understand is, um, and I don't want to complain about the fans and stuff, but I see these people just complaining about a 14-point win, and it really was a dominating win. I thought even though the uh, USC had two more yards than Washington did offensively, and um, they, they did have a couple nice big plays and things like that. Washington bowed up and, and really played well, I thought. Why do you keep continue to watch this team? Why, why, why do you continue to even root for a team? Because unless you're rooting for Clemson or Alabama, you're going to be upset. And I, I don't – I mean, just enjoy a win. Don't don't worry about that other stuff right now. Just enjoy the win. Well, my take on it is is that if – Basically, if you're having, if you're that frustrated, you don't have to infect us with it. You can just get off the boards, use your sponge brick, and go to town, and everyone will be just fine with that because everyone has their moments where they have to vent, where they have to do it. But you, you don't have to literally say everything that comes out of your mouth and put it online. It just, I know there's, I know there's avenues for that. You don't have to do it. Yeah, and I just think that um, a lot of fans could use, maybe, well, those negative, more negative you know, uh, toned fans, maybe could use a little more perspective. Like, I, I mean, I know me and my buddies, we're all really excited about this weekend with Savelle committing yesterday. And then obviously, um, you know, what turns out to kind of be a big loss for Cal last night, it turns out to be good for Washington. And we took care of business today and it could have been a lot worse. You know, we could have laid another egg like we did against Cal and, and we would be having a much different conversation right now. So I think it's generally positive right now. My favorite play of the game, and I was just laughing on this side. When number, you know, Greg was talking about number 53, the guy talking the most smack out there. Miles Bryant lining up, faking the blitz, and got him to move. And Miles was, not, I mean, My, did you see what Miles was doing? Miles was just laughing and talking, and he was just, he was cracking up. And the USC guy was just getting pissed, and he was throwing a little temper tantrum, and that made it worse for Miles. But uh, if you get a chance on the replay, watch that one where 53, uh, the right tackle. Uh, jumped and Miles and and Miles Bryant was a beast today. Yeah, he had a, he had a great game. He was my defensive player of the game. He didn't have as many uh, tackles. I mean, uh, Trent McDuffie was t- targeted so much that he ended up with nine tackles on the night or on the day. But Miles Bryant had what was it six tackles and and uh, he had that key stop on the on the fourth and goal. Um, he, he, and I found it interesting that Washington dropped him down right over the slot where he's been so effective throughout his career, the, he, but he's been playing safety this year. So they drop him down up over the slot and USC targets him the, the best slot corner on the team. Yeah. Chris, tell people how big miles Bryant is. Uh, I think he's, what is he listed at? Five, eight, one eighty something. Not the biggest guy out there, but boy, I'll tell you, he plays physical and he'll put a lick on you. 
Well, I mean, they've Washington fans, if they've been paying attention, they've seen four years of him. They should have a pretty good idea of what he's about. And it's, it is interesting that I find out that, you know, for every game that he struggles in, like, you know, the Fiesta Bowl absolutely got abused against Penn State. The kid just keeps on ticking. I mean, he just comes back for more. And he does epitomize this defense. You know, they're, they're a work in progress. They're getting better. I mean, you can see it. Chris Peterson talked about it. The media was asking him about it after the game. Can you almost literally see these guys, their improvement, their confidence grow like play by play? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun to watch. These guys start kind of feeling like they've, they've got a little bit of it. I mean, they'll never fully get it, but that they're feeling like they can actually go out and play instead of have to you know, think about it all the time. Scott, your guy Stephen Carr got loose for a 60-yard run. Yeah, uh, was a little surprised that that kind of ha- they didn't really run him that much after after that run. Um, you know, I he's he's just such a special guy when he gets in the open field. But um, Washington was able to track him down, and that was the that was the start of their their drive that ended with the Molden pick. So um, Washington didn't even really suffer too much from that from that run. Scott, if I told you that uh, you know receiving yards, Amon St. Brown would have five for 31, Michael Pittman would have uh, four for 64, and Tyler Vaughn's four for 44, would you take that? Absolutely would have. Um, I, I honestly thought we'd see more targets for those guys, but we didn't. I, they, they ran the ball so much. I was honestly a little surprised, and I think it was because of the look Washington was giving them with six defensive backs. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, guys, I think the key to the game was Jimmy Lake was like, look, we know if we can contain those three guys, their running backs haven't shown that they can win a game yet. They're, they may be talented enough to do it. They just haven't shown it in this offensive scheme yet. I mean, Carr was like three for, for minus 16 yards against Utah. He obviously had a much, much better game today, but I think it was Jimmy Lake basically saying, we're going to shut down the receivers. We're going we're gonna to limit what they can do. We're going to make sure that those running backs are the ones that beat us and, uh, you know, they did a nice job, but they weren't, they weren't going to be washing it today. When you take a look at what uh, USC did on the ground, Stephen Carr had seven carries for 94 yards, but that includes a 60-yard run. So basically that meant that he had the other six carries for 30 yards, which is still five yards a carry. Marquis Stepp, just a bruising freshman, 230 pounds, 10 carries for 62 yards, but he had a long carry of 35 as well. He, got, he broke loose a little bit. And... Um, Vale Malapai, is that right? Probably. Yeah, uh, ten carries for forty-nine yards. So that's a total just on the uh, you know running backs, thirty-three carries for two twelve. But take away that sixty-yarder, they gave up a couple of big plays. And Washington hasn't really given up many big plays on the yard on the ground this year. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I think they've been vulnerable to getting gashed. But yeah, you're right. Not not a lot of big long runs. But I think they were leading the country if i remember correctly in 30 yard runs they only had given up i think one all year until today. until yeah until today yeah just a, just running down the stat sheet some things that jump out rushing yards i mentioned earlier the usc had 212 yards washington had 193 uh total offensive yards washington had 373 usc two yards more 375 and when you take a look at the time of possession usc 3109 washington 2851 third down conversions 
big number. Both teams, I think, did pretty well defensively. Third down conversions. USC was only four out of 13, so Washington did a nice job on uh, third downs. Uh, Washington converting third downs was only three of 12, so they were a little rough on third down today. Uh, fourth down conversions. Washington was one of one. USC, one of two. Uh, red zone chances. Washington was four of four, but only two of those were touchdowns. So... Um, Where's the penalties? Uh, I can't find it on there real quick. Was, but uh, Washington had um, seven for forty-four, I think, and and uh, USC had eight for eighty. I yeah. think somewhere around there. Yeah, and a couple of them were just stupid. Um, one other stat I want to just mention is USC was just one of three on red zone possessions because right. of the in interception and the fourth down on the turnover on downs. So I thought that was a key stat on the day. Savon Ahmed, 17 carries for 153. That includes an 89-yard run. Um, Richard Newton, nine carries for 20 yards, and not a lot of room for him to run. Sean McGrew only carried the ball twice for eight yards. Jacob Eason, just a ho-hum day, 16 of 26 for 180, no touchdowns. He was sacked twice. Aaron Fuller, six receptions for 68. Hunter Bryant with four for 49. Kate Otten, two for four. Um, uh, where to go? Two for forty-three, <laughs> and then uh, unsung hero of the game, Joel Whitford, six punts, average forty-four point three a game. Uh, that one that he that one that he killed right at the two-yard line, right when he kid it. Remember, I said, "Oh, that's going in." And it just died right there at the two yard. Well, it had a reverse spin on it. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, well, it's tough to tell up here, but still, I mean, you could see that he was putting spin on it. But oh my gosh, that was amazing. Yeah. Leading tackler Trent McDuffie with nine, uh, Miles Bryant with seven, uh, but he had one and a half uh, tackles for loss. Uh, Kyler Manu, big sack, big tackle for loss. Um, one, uh, you know, just uh, he had six tackles in that big tackle for loss where he got Matt Fink outside the pocket. But uh, Elijah Molden had an interception. And um, should have had a second one. Can't well if he the, the second one he should have had. If he would have let that go, I think Keith Taylor would still be running right now. Or he would have popped it up in the air and the guy would have caught it. Yeah. So. Cam Williams, um, another big day today. He had two interceptions. Uh, is that three on the year for Cam yeah, Williams? Season. Yeah, big big time for a freshman. Yeah. He he's he was right in the right place at the right time. His first inter, I think it was his first interception. Is that the one that was overthrown by like five yards? I mean. He was in the right place at the right time, but that was a terrible pass by by Brink. So. Brink? Or Fink, sorry. No, Brink. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Alex Brink. Wow, I'll go. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say that that was, if I remember correctly, that was the first time Fink tried to go downfield. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think that kind of set the tone for, like, maybe they're not going to have as much success going over the top as, as maybe they did against Utah. Yeah, uh, keeping with the true freshman on defense theme, uh, I was really impressed by Trent McDuffie today, led the team in tackles, um, and part of that's because he got targeted a lot, but like the fact that they, you, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but they, they chose to target him a lot, and it, you know, it just seemed like normal, I guess, like nothing really stuck out after, after them targeting him so much, so he did a good job today. I was also going to say Asa Turner comes up and makes a couple plays, he continues to maybe flash here and there, obviously a guy that, that's I think he's going to play the rest of the year. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! 
alumni here today. There were some good guys. Uh, it was great to see Alameda Tamu, and uh, he's got three daughters, and they're all little. <laughs> Alameda's going to have his hands full. Uh, Dante Pettis was here. I think San Francisco has a bye week. And, uh, God, I'm going to take a little bit of a shot at Hugh Millen because for calling Aaron Fuller spaghetti arms. If he's spaghetti arms, what's uh, Dante Pettis? Because Dante's, I think, arms are smaller than Aaron Fuller's. But great to see Dante here. Uh, Jermaine Curse was here. Jojo McIntosh. And I don't know, you'd, you would have liked to have seen this other guy. Donald Butler was here. Yeah, I saw, I saw John Timu down there. You know, now that he's back at Red Washington, he looks thrilled to be back. So that was that was good to talk to John for a sec. Talk about some of the recruits you saw on the sidelines, Scott. Yeah, uh, saw Guard Memelar and uh, Garen Hatchet. Real guard Memelar. Okay, go ahead. Tell people how big Guard Memelar is. I, I was yeah. Uh, guard Memelar is a big guy. He's six six, about two eighty, two eighty five. Just looks in great shape. Uh, has a full beard going and. Uh, Looks very impressive. Mark Redman was there. He's a little on the skinnier side. I didn't. I thought he would be a little bit thicker than he was. So um, those three guys are kind of all standing next to each other. Huge, huge guys. JT to him allow. I mean, what what else can you say about him? All the superlatives that you want. Um, saw the the um, Jeremy Bernard. Is that his name? Jeremy Bernard, the wide receiver from 2022, first wide receiver from that class to get an offer. He's from Liberty High School in Nevada. He That's was offered. Troy Fautanu's high school. Yep, it is. Um, Zephaniah Mayai as a linebacker from there. He's a little on the short side. He's like my height, but granted, he's only a junior, so maybe he grows a little bit more. And is Matt Aval from that high school as well? No. Oh, Maliki? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is. So those those three guys are all up. Um, you got a kid from Eastside Catholic? Uh, oh, uh, Deshaun Misa, uh, the big-time outside linebacker, inside linebacker for them. Um, will end up being a, a big time recruit in the 2022 class, I think, is what he is. Um, Sam, Sam Adams was here. Yeah, I didn't see Sam Adams. I'm sure he was here, Sam, but Jalen McMillan. I didn't see him. I, I he, uh, George saw him on the sidelines. Gary so. Bryant did not see Gary Bryant. I know he's here. I just never saw him. Yeah, and just guard Memelar. He's bigger than Garen Hatchett. I didn't think he was going to be that big. Yep, he's a big kid. He's put. On, I, I mean, from when we saw him last year to now. Mm -hmm. It's like he turned into a grown ass man. Yeah, he's he's a big dude. He's a big physical dude, and I'll tell you what: if he wasn't so committed to Washington, if he was open to listening to other schools, basically he'd have the entire Pac-12 have already offered him. And I know that schools like Notre Dame have been been by to see him. I know that um, I think Texas and Oklahoma were also by to see him. He has basically shunned it all off. I'm a husky i'm set to go there blah 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 all that stuff he's saying all the right things so um but he's a guy who's not going to have a ton of offers on his offer list that would have them if he had waited a little bit longer final thoughts chris fetters uh just i think it's a really solid win usc i don't care if they're down to their fifth you know quarterback and their 10th defensive back they are going to have five star guys up and down the roster that's just who they are so I think anytime you can take care of business, uh, doesn't matter if you win by a point or two touchdowns, it's going to be a good win. So they can use this going forward. Obviously, they go to Stanford next. We thought that was going to be a bigger game than it, than it might end up being because of Stanford. But I thought overall, I, I, I still see some signs where they're progressing a little bit in time. They got the turnovers they needed. They really managed the game, I thought, pretty well outside of the one 
call that we really didn't talk about much, the, the sudden change play that ended up in the turnover, um, the reverse throwback yeah. pass, whatever that was going to be. I think Fuller might have was maybe going to pass that. Um, I, you know, I, and the thing is, I talked to Bush Hamden about it. If you're, you know, if you call that play and it scores, you're a hero. If it ends up like it did, you're a goat. So I, I don't have any problems with the call itself, but I think the timing of it was was something that I think fans are probably going to, you know, when you're at midfield and you can just go and you can really just maybe just pound the rock and maybe finish things off a little bit, I'm sure that's what they're going to talk about. But I thought overall, other than maybe that one play uh, and obviously getting gashed on a couple of other plays, which you are going to give up against USC. I'm sorry. They're just too talented. They're going to get some shots in every once in a while. I thought the game plan of taking the receivers out and making the running backs try to win the game for them, uh, I think it worked. And so I thought it was a good game plan by Jimmy Lake, and I thought offensively they did enough to win. Obviously the game breaker with Savon Ahmed's great run, um, that's going to be something that people are going to talk about for a long, long time. George Johnson, who started school this week, I think he's taken muscle cars, fast food franchising, and... Um, knitting. Knitting, there we go, and uh, comfortable slippers. George Johnson, final thoughts. That's right, it's going to be a tough quarter this year. <laughs> no, but um, I'm really, really satisfied with this win. I mean, uh, yeah, like Chris was talking about, a couple slip-ups maybe, but uh, overall I think we took care of business um, and... You know, Jacob Eason probably could have had a, a bigger night, but we didn't really need him to. I mean, the, the run game took care of things, and um, uh, tight ends came up big when we needed them. You know, some 30-some yards, uh, a couple plays, you know, 30-plus yards from those guys. Um, and yeah, I really I really think USC is a pretty solid team, and I think this is a big win for us and uh, headed on the road next week. So I was, I was very happy with today's performance. Truthfully, tell them the classes that you are taking. Uh, I am taking uh, intermediate accounting, uh, business economics, business communications, and management. Uh, it's like organizational behavior. So, yeah. Smart guy, huh? Uh, you know, not, you know, some would say, but probably average. Average business student. <laughs> yeah, well, you're still the intern, so keep your head on a swivel. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Scott Eklund. Uh Like, you know, basically echoing both of their, their sentiments. Uh, solid win. Got big plays when you need them. Uh, you can use it as a springboard to go on the road now for the next two weeks. Two, look, neither uh, Stanford nor Arizona should beat Washington, but Washington, the, these both places have been a house of horrors for them at different times. So this is a nice little springboard for them. They just need to keep getting better. I like the uh, true freshman being worked in. George is going to have some comments on that uh, in our thoughts um, after the game and everything like that. But overall, great win and, and great way to kind of move into the meat of your season. Anytime you get a win against USC, you take it and run. And, uh, you, you know, football. if you're a football player, you go get your girlfriend and you have something to drink and you heal up nicely. So uh, it's got to be a good night for all the players tonight. Like, what are you looking at me like that for? Something to drink? What are you talking about? Some Gatorade. Okay. Yeah, sure. Gatorade or whatever. So um, big win. Um, Tough schedule coming up. They're away for the next two weeks. They're going to be down in uh, Palo Alto, which isn't a difficult place to play, but I think Stanford's going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and then down to Arizona, which with quarterback who can really be elusive, they're going to have to be real disciplined, and funny things have happened down in Tucson, Tucson or Tucson, as I call it. So uh, meet of the schedule coming up, and also coming up here shortly, uh, basketball. Uh, first practice was, I believe, yesterday. They had practice again today. 
saw Will Conroy on uh, the field, saw uh, Coach Hopkins on the field, and there was an official visit today. Um, Peyton Watson uh, out of Long Beach Poly. He's a big-time recruit, so uh, we'll have more on that a little bit later. So just overall a great day. Looking down at Husky Stadium, looking down on the field, it's really, really nice out. So, hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, Go Dogs. Oh, and George. Yes, Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.